everybody, Con Artists here. We're back for bi-weekly podcast five. So we're getting to the end of all of our shows. Crazy, crazy. So we have a lot to talk about. Uh, Dan, it's it's time for Blood of Ors. Tell us all about the Blood of Ors, please. Well, Hemomancers. Yes, it turns out everyone's a Hemomancer, or at least one more character than we thought was a Hemomancer is a Hemomancer. Oh, thank God. This, of course, was revealed in the very last episode, having accomplished almost nothing up until that point. The uh, very last episode? You're done? Oh, I wish. Apparently, there is a second season. There's at least footage of it in the preview, but it's done for now, and I don't see it on any of the new anime charts, so I have a reprieve. Unfortunately, this does mean I won't be able to review it for Genericon, because this the fruit is so low-hanging, I could hit it with a golf swing. It's over! Oh. It's not over. No, no, it is not. <laughs> it's menacing you this, from space. This and uh, this is for you, Scott. This, this farcical turd sack. Nice, that's, nice, that's still too, nice double that's adjective. Still too, I'm that's still so two proud words of you. As, as long as it's hyphenated, still two words. Um, yeah, it counts. It is just unbelievable. Like major plot points are being revealed as they're cutting to credits, like. <laughs> <laughs> the key, oh, the key here, however, let, let me set the scene for you. They have they have managed to figure out a way to save this little girl that they have been trying to save for the last five they episodes. They finally got I their think? priest to level up by killing a goblin. Something they like that. They finally caught that Pokemon. Uh, well, they dropped a building on something, so uh, that was yeah. the that was the solution. But then, like more monsters show up, and the main antagonist has to come in and save all of our heroes. Uh, it turns out that the useless female character, um, Anji, or whatever her name is, uh, who has done nothing except get stabbed or, like, beaten up uh, up until this point, is also a hemomancer. And originally I thought it was just telekinesis, but apparently she can, like, she can, like, manipulate shadows to hold things in place. Like, that's, that's her ability. awesome. Yeah, I guess, I'm guessing she it, used it about as effectively as the Green Lantern. Uh, well, I mean, she it, it worked the first time uh, when she was holding this big monster, but, like, the, the, the antagonist, the guy I referred to as the alpha criminal, the criminal from which all other criminals are molded, oh, didn't, work my so, goodness. didn't work so well against him, especially when he turned around and then punched a dragon so hard it exploded, revealing... A, revealing a glowing digital hologram that transformed into a woman. <laughs> okay. A woman. That, that is Dan, a punch. I was not even right remotely there. expecting you to go anywhere near that. A like, woman who we have been introduced to this episode in a flashback. That Dan, is, is how. She a dragon so what you're saying is, is she a dragon gate? No, I don't know. I have no idea. This thing is. It is a. It is a. It is a woeful parody of a narrative. It's like if aliens tried to come up with the concept of a story, but didn't understand the basics. There is no plot structure. Everything's being introduced willy-nilly. It's like it's supposed to be a mystery, but in order to be a mystery, you have to give us most of the pieces and then let us figure it out as new information comes out. Not just throw new information at us every other episode and expect us to keep up with all of these all of these names which keep dropping in and out in terms of who is important and who is not i have no idea who the villains are anymore or why they have put these people here there is no concept for that it's just all of these people are here now and the moment they start teasing new things is the moment that they cut it off at the midpoint 
Now, if I were a cynical man, I would say that this was a long-term scheme to get themselves a second season. But this thing is so bad that I have no idea who's going to re-up it unless, and I'm segueing for you here, Brendan, uh, a girlish number is more accurate than we thought, and bad anime always gets a second season. (laughs) Well funded. It's winning. (laughs) Let's go drinking. Oh, the drinking. That That's would be the so... moral of the story. Drinking would be good. I don't care anymore. I don't care anymore. That's the other moral of the story. So on that note, Brendan, how's Girlish Number doing? Oh, by the way, um, I should point out that these were the last these were the last two episodes for this uh, season, so episodes 11 and 12. Of Blood of Force. Yes. I think uh, Girlish Number, we've only gotten through 9 and 10. That is correct. Uh... And have they actually started dubbing the new season? They have not. They're kind of segueing into it. Uh, we were introduced to Nanami, who is this brand new girl who joins the the same studio that, uh, what's her name, Chitose is from. It's like Wide-Eyed so, Idealist? Yes, Wide-Eyed oh, Idealist. Yes. And so she's always like, Chitose-sama, I want to be, or Karasuma-sama, I'm just, I want to be just like you and work just as hard as you do so that I can be pro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to work super hard, so hard, all the hard, all day long. And Chitose's like, Haha. at first she's playing into it. And, uh, and, and it, it seems to be fine. She's like, oh yeah, I'm so pro and you're so newbie. And it, it works out okay. Um, and Nanami just overtakes her almost instantaneously like almost but i'll I'll let brendan keep going from there she overtakes her before she's even introduced if you pay very close attention in the op she is standing in the center in the last two episodes instead of chitose no way in in the silhouettes over the title it was this is what i get for skipping the op (gasps) oh you heretic don't don't tell me these things (laughs) sorry no 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 brendan had to go uh, i heresy Brendan noticed that something was off, so when we when uh, we watched, I had to go back and see. And he was he was right. It was I didn't notice until the second or the the tenth episode because in episode nine, Chitose is actually not there at all. But in episode ten, she's sitting elsewhere on the uh, on the letters, and I was like, "Who? What?" And then went back and was like, "Wow, these guys are uh, putting a lot of detail in here." Yeah. Well, once again, like I said, the the writing for this show is is just so so smart. That's really the best way to describe it. But yeah. 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 Wow. That's that's an amazing catch, Brendan. Nicely done. Yeah. Basically, we've now moved through uh, two of the other characters' stories, um, the two uh, women who were... <laughs> yeah, Shibasaki and Momo's right. tale, I, I believe, has ended. We're back to Chitose. But things are, are changing, and like last time, uh, or either last cast or two casts ago, I, I'm just shocked at how much heart they're beginning to pour into some characters you never would have thought would get any heart, one of which is Kuzu. <laughs> I'm not 100% sure where they're going with Kuzu. Me neither. Um, they they give Kuzu a little bit of a, a backstory. He has a big bad rival who knocked him out of place, I guess, in the previous studio he was in, and... What is it? Tawada reveals that he used to actually be a genuine, hardworking guy and just fell off the map at some point. And uh, he loses his, what do you call them? The, the talk to me girls? Talk to me at the oh, bar the girl? The hostess. Thank you. Uh, he, he loses his hostess to this guy and he's just like, ah, and then he runs out and 
I, I mean, he hasn't heard from Tawada in a while, and then there's, magically is needed. I, I don't really know what his arc is going to conclude in. Th- but. There's a sequence with fish. It, it gets kind of weird, but he's a he's an odd duck to begin with. But uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm interested to see where they go with it, with with him. But unfortunately, now he's both incompetent and industrious, which is the most terrible combination of traits you can possibly have in a person in authority. Working hard to make everything worse for everyone. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's interesting. But I mean, besides Kuzu, the other really really interesting piece, which I hope they don't skim through, is uh, Gojo. Oh, Gojo yeah. is starting to get. A little bit more fleshed out because i don't know if we've talked about it before but gojo was actually so the the brother character who's constantly ragging on chitose he used to be a voice actor and and quit after one show and has never really explained why and why he's so cynical so i'm i'm hoping there's there's something interesting to that um with with regards to why he quit and chitose is starting to wonder and dig that route i think because she's in the most minuscule of ways starting to realize she's just not all that like she was in her delusional fantasy so she's in fact just some girl who's just some girl she is just some girl who's just some girl oh god i'm not just some girl you are just some girl i regret i regret showing you people that (laughs) what it's gonna live forever it's amazing (laughs) it's so perfect uh it never ends. It's so perfect. It's so, yeah, it is. Brendan, would you like to say anything else about it? Uh, not off the top of my head. Well, great, because you know what else is perfect? Yuri on Ice. Let's talk about Yuri on Ice. Okay, let's do. So, um, yes, let's talk about Yuri on Ice. Okay, so uh, I'll be talking about Yuri on Ice episode. So last time they were in Russia, right? They were in Russia, you're correct, for the Russian Cup. Um, so episode 10 is huge because uh, they, they go out and actually they're no longer in. No, they are still in Russia. Just kidding. Are they? No, they're not. Just they, they go to Barcelona now because we're double in the Grand Prix finals. Yeah, double just kidding. We're in Barcelona now because we're here for the Grand Prix final. So uh, they go out sightseeing and uh, Yuri and Victor go out sightseeing. And Yuri's like, you know what? I want to get you a gift uh, in you know, for taking care of me all this time, and I want a lucky charm, and I want something that symbolizes our time together. And he goes out and buys them rings. And they put rings on in a church to, like, hymn music. So they're almost effectively engaged. Well, I will note, it is the wrong hands, so they put the rings on the right hands, not the left. But I don't know if that's some sort of either Spanish or... Russian custom, but it was beautiful and wow show, just just wow. So yeah, they're like pseudo engaged, and the best part is everyone treats them like they're engaged. Hmm. So they get seen at a dinner party where all the other figure skaters are, and they're like, "What's with the rings? Oh my gosh, are you two engaged?" And then for the rest of the episode, it's just like, "Congrats on your marriage!" And like, it's it's totally played into the whole thing. So I I thought it was very pretty and. Well is done poor, for the show. Uh, I'm trying to remember now. Is, is poor Yurio sh- like shattered? You know what? Yurio makes a friend, Scott. Yurio makes a friend. He finds a friend in the uh, Kazakhstan skater Otobek Alton, who's this like angry looking skater who desperately wants to bring gold back to his country. And they go on a walk somewhere in Barcelona. And Otobek looks at him at one point and goes, we're kind of alike. I went to the same ballet school as you did. 
and realized I didn't have natural talent like you did, so I worked really, really, really hard to get here. Let's be friends. Accept my friendship. <laughs> and Yurio's like, yeah, okay. Accept cool. my friendship. Accept my friendship or perish. Yeah, exactly. It was that. Like, he's just staring at him on this, this cliff, and he's like, accept my friend. Are you going to become friends with me or not? And Yurio's like, yeah, okay, friendship. So that happens, and all right, sure, whatever. The most important part is uh, there's a joke made where Yuri talks about how he met Victor for the very first time at, you know, episode one when he fails the Grand Prix and, and couldn't talk to him. And Victor goes, oh, no, 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 that's not the first time we met. The first time we met, you don't remember. And it turns out at a party, an after party, uh, Yuri, in his super shyness, hung out in the back got super drunk on champagne because he was antisocial and started pole dancing and doesn't remember any of it. So the finale is a cell phone, like a bunch of cell phones popping up and replaying pictures and video of Yuri and Chris Giacometti, the like sexy Swiss guy, pole dancing. Oh, and you don't want to know what the best part is? Somebody took the time to draw legitimate pole dancing poses. There was an article on Anime News Network where real pole dancers viewed the images. There are names for all the different poses they do. Somebody took the time to legitimately draw real pole dancing poses. Someone went to the difficult job of doing research. On pole dancing. On pole so, dancing. You ever <laughs> want to say Yuri on Ice doesn't commit? Yuri on Ice commits, damn it. <laughs> So, holy cheese and crackers. Um, was blitzed through episode 11. Uh, the most important part is that Shall We Skate makes its dramatic return. Oh, still. Oh, shall we skate. <laughs> still going. Still, still going strong. Still the best song ever. Anyway, um, so we're in Barcelona. This is the Grand Prix. Everybody skates their uh, choreographed skate. So it's a lot of the same skating we've seen before. Uh, and, and that episode, episode 11, is really about everybody starting to buckle under the pressure of really being here in the Grand Prix. So actually, Canada completely blows it. No. JJ the King blows it completely. Uh, he just buckles 100% under the pressure. And Thailand, of all places, so Pichit, does a beautiful job. His choreography is such that he can't make enough points to beat out a lot of the other skaters, but he performs so well, and he cries at the end. And a little cultural fun fact, um, the reason he chooses Shall We Skate is because in the in-game world, just like here in the real world, uh, the king and I is banned in Thailand. And so he's like, it stars a Thai actor, but nobody's ever done it in Thailand for a figure skating competition. So it, it's a neat, like personal cultural aspect of his character so Yuri hmm. on Ice treats his characters with a lot of respect I thought that was was really pretty so episodes 10 and 11 I mean don't disappoint they've probably been some of the best yet nice oh so, so I guess I'll pick it Gundam, up there. Scott yeah we're talking about some Gundam uh so we've you know last a couple of times we've concluded sort of the earth thing we're back on Mars and now the the main action is basically focusing around uh, like they found this ancient relic weapon buried on Mars somewhere. Like the Tekadon guys operate these mines because they've been given the right to mine this half metal stuff. That's the subject of a lot of the economic backstory of the of the uh, the plot. And they come across this ancient weapon system, which is basically what caused the war a hundred years ago that the Gundam, like the Gundam frames, were created to fight against, which were these sort of automated, pilotless killing machines, essentially. 
that threatened like extinction of mankind. Now, they haven't really made clear who built them. Uh, but it's a big deal because the current social order and government order, uh, the seven stars of Gjallarhorn, which is like the overseer organization, like within that organization, your prestige is determined by the number of these terrifying weapons that like your predecessor took out during this war. Uh, and the existence of another one of these things somewhere gives the opportunity for that social order to become like upended. Uh, if someone were to go and destroy it. So everyone wants to claim the glory of destroying this thing for themselves without thinking that this is actually a big enough threat that we should be cooperating? Kind of, yeah. Like, like one guy, like, the guy that's kind of on the side of Tekadon wants to be, he's like, don't, like, stop ex excavating it right now. Like, it's incredibly dangerous. And one of the other groups is like, I think that that guy is going there to get the glory for himself, and we got to go there and stop him because that'll wreck, you know, my family's standing in the thing. Uh, so yeah, like tech, like they're all next tech on, uh, Gellarhorn are all sort of fighting with themselves and anyway, they end up, it ends up being activated. Like a, a mobile suit gets too close to it and it's programming takes over and, uh, now it's, it's on a rampage. So like that, most of the previous episodes, like this is episodes, um, 11 and 12 are focused on the resurrection of this thing and like their elaborate plan to somehow bring it down. Uh, cause it's going to take an awful lot. And it kind of seems like it's ramping up for like an end of season, but it's scheduled for 25 episodes. So like, wow, they've got a lot of stuff going on if this isn't the finale, because it certainly feels like one. Interesting. Yeah, but very, very dramatic stuff. Uh, good stuff. Good work, Gundam. Awesome. I mean, do you see enough content in there, Scott, that they could wrap up this arc and create a whole new one? I mean, I assume, yeah, I mean, they're. I would say they're definitely going to take out this, this mobile armor, it's called, uh, next episode. And then I guess after that, it's going to be like a lot of the fallout what happens to, like, Tekadon, the organization? What happens to Gellahorn's internal politics? I mean, yeah, they could keep going with it, certainly. I just didn't expect it to continue this season. Like, this seemed like a good place to end uh, the current core. But whatever, I'm excited. Sounds awesome. I'll definitely keep cool. following it. Cool beans. Yeah. All right, who else has got something good? I guess that brings us back around to me. And, I mean, both Brendan and I are following not just Girlish Number, but uh, Poco's Udon World. And uh, that show's, you know, finally... I won't say, okay, I won't say finally. Like, it's been a fine show the, all the way through. I I feel that it was hitting a lot of the same kinds of notes as um, uh, Sweetness and Lightning was last season. So it just hasn't... No, it it's not bad. It, no, it's not bad at all. It's just that it... I, I've already gotten that. I've already experienced that show in a way. So this one feels a little redundant. So that's you probably... tasted of the sweetness and felt the lightning. I like suppose. You're I suppose so. That's a good way of putting it. So this one just had to. I guess it had to work harder to, you know, gain the same level of appreciation, even though it's a perfectly fine show on its own. But uh, it's finally coming to a bit of a head. Things have really, you know, picked up. Uh, we're on episodes. Uh, what was it? Uh, uh, Ten and 10 eleven. Eleven. Yeah. So yeah. Thanks, Brendan. Um, and uh, so like, are they going to have to what like? get the kids at the rec center together to save the old udon stand like what's the not exactly uh brendan the udon stand is actually taking up a lot less of the uh show than i was expecting at the uh, beginning that was somewhat okay, deceptive it's in the title uh yeah i was about to say how's it supposed to turn into poco's udon world well i mean they're in udon country that's basically the, the title is just like in japanese it's just uh udon no kuni which is a the nickname for kagawa in general oh. and 
That having been said, I was really expecting more udon cooking, which, I mean, they've started doing it, but he's just sort of doing it on the side while uh, trying to maintain his uh, freelance web design business. So he's, like, still experimenting with the recipes, and maybe one day he'll be good enough to actually sell udon, you know, maybe, hmm. if he just, you know, goes that direction. But most of the uh, recent plot has been focused on, you know, how he is going to, you know, continue interacting with uh, with Poco there who is some weird cross between a pet and a child. I don't know. <laughs> There's also a lot about how, just how families interact, how close families interact. Uh, because, you know, the whole reason that he's out here is because his father passed away and his uh, his mother had passed away uh, many years before that. So there was some, I guess, just some animosity and a lot of things left unsaid. And they're touching on, you know, that they're touching on that particular regret. And, you know, it's it's kind of slowly shaping how he views his relationship with Poco, uh, which is which I think is really neat. It's it's good that they're finally getting into some of that rather than it just sort of being a, I guess, like weird hijinks of the week kind of thing, because the show has been moved has been moving fairly slowly. Like it it does it does get to where it's going, but it definitely takes a leisurely path. But since it's not, so is this guy like gonna be like a like a father figure or what? Yeah, I mean, is that where this is shaping up? Okay. Yeah, he's basically he's all but adopted Poco at this point, but uh, things have conspired recently to make that potentially much more complicated. Don't want to get into too many details before the finale itself happens, but uh, let's just which is hmm? which is the next episode. Well, yes, but uh, let's just. So is, I mean, brief question: like, is Poco like adoptable? Do do things like him exist all over the place, or is this unique? He's the only one we've seen. Um, but I mean, the implication is that there's others out there. Uh, oh. Someone, in fact. So is it, is this show a little bit like magical realism, Dan? Like, uh, I I wouldn't say that. Like most of it, just you know, most of it takes place in what is ostensibly the real world. The only thing that's unusual about it is Poco. Nothing else. Okay, with nothing his else about abilities. it is weird. Yeah, just the fact that he is a Tanuki is the only weird thing in this show. He could have simply been an abandoned child, and most of this story would have operated the same way, with the exception of having to hide his true nature, which has become you know more uh, more of an issue lately for uh, reasons somewhat uh, mysterious. But one of the other things I gotta I gotta point out real quick is um, one of the things I like that they that they point out is. This guy, um, I'm sorry, Brendan, remind me of his name. Which guy? Soto? Yeah, Soto. For all the times that Pogo says it, I'm surprised I forgot. But um, (laughs) he has, like, he enjoys his work. He does good work as a uh, web designer for as much as the show delves into it. Uh, But it's not really his passion, I guess. And he regret, he's starting to regret not following his father's business. But at the same time, they go into... You know, he was in a rebellious phase. He didn't want to take over the Udon shop. And uh, he met this guy who saw some of the work he had been doing, you know, on the side, you know, some basic, very basic web development stuff and helped get him his first job and then helped get him this new freelance job that he's on. And it's, it felt very real because I've experienced similar things between, you know, friends and mentors and other people who help you get where you are. And... Even though this isn't this guy's passion, he hasn't really found his calling yet outside of caring for Poco. It just feels very, it feels very satisfying. It feels very adult to see someone who is at about my age going through a lot of the same kinds of things 
albeit in different points in his life and in a different order. It's it was it was probably what kind of turned the show around for me. It went from being like, okay, this is okay to this is actually pretty solid. Hmm. Yeah. Actually, re- relating to a character, I think makes. It really makes a show. Oh, absolutely. Because you end up forging this emotional connection and whatever they go through, you're almost attached to, to that emotion, which is segues very nicely into how I feel about March. Um, so March comes in like a lion, continues to, to be really strong. Um, episodes 9 and 10 cover uh, is sort of the same theme, but in a different way. So we're still using shogi as a metaphor, uh, and, and shogi features heavily in episodes 9 and 10. So in, in 9, shogi is used as a metaphor for, for life. Uh, at, at one point, uh, he actually refers to playing shogi as living and dying. So uh, Ray, that is the, the lead character. So he, he has a match against a really, really old man named Mr. Matsunaga. Oh, yeah, this is the and... guy you mentioned in the previous uh in the previous yeah, movie, he was right? like the subject of all the knife yes. twisting from his sister. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. So Kyoko is like, oh, you know, you're. It's like you're going off to strangle an old senile dog, and like she just keeps hammering it into him that he's gonna retire because you you can lose ranking if you lose enough times, you actually slide downward in the ranking, and so that can happen to you. And so she's like, oh, if he he gets to like this ranking, I think it's like C2, like he'll he'll retire finally. And that's like an allegory for death because this man has been playing shogi for 40 years. And I think what's amazing is Ray reflects on that idea and he just, he looks at him and he's like, this is a man, 40 years of his life has been devoted to shogi. I can't even fathom that much time. I think he's like 20 or something, or like 16, 17, he's like, he, this man has outlived me by two, and has been playing shogi for more than half of his life, like, what must that be like, to, to live and die on this board that many times, in that many years, and it's, it's really a reflection of, of morality, like, looking at your own morality, it's doing so much stuff that's just extraordinary, uh, just, just via shogi, so anyway, uh, he does beat Matsunaga, and uh, there's a lot of humor put in there because Matsunaga is a super shallow guy. So he makes Ray take him out to, for for drinks <laughs> and dinner. He's like, "You're young, take me out." And so they go out, and he's he gets super drunk, and he's like yelling a lot. And, and as they're walking home, Matsunaga starts crying, and he's like, "You know." I don't even know that I like Shogi, because Ray goes, do you like Shogi? And he's like, I don't even know that I like Shogi. It's just, it's life for me. It's 40 years, it's life. And I, I can't even fathom what happens when I stop playing. And he's scared of stopping playing. He gives up these, like, super shallow reasons. He's like, oh, God, my wife's going to make me do chores, and my daughter's <laughs> going to make me, like, bathe my grandson. And like he just starts crying about it. And Ray's like, are you even joking me today? But... It's it's an allegory for death, like, or an allegory for, if you don't want to get that dramatic, retirement. Like, what do I do with myself when my life's work is quote-unquote complete, when my body asks me to stop? And it, it, was, a, it was a scary question and a, a really powerful question wrapped wow. wrapped behind the shogi. So, really, really beautiful episode. Um, episode 10 
actually uses Shogi as adversity. And this was a powerful episode for Ray. So Ray ends up uh, having to have a match against a man who's going through a divorce. So once again, Kyoko calls him and is like, oh, I did some research into the guy you're going against. And he's going through a divorce. And, you know, you know what his daughter wants more than anything on Christmas? What would be the best thing? Like thusly indicating he needs to throw the game because, you know, this guy has one more week or something with his daughter before the, they separate. Why have you yeah, not blocked her phone number? Phone calls. Yeah, I don't even know. You know what, though? At one point, he speaks to her, and he, he has a monologue as she's talking, and he's like, all of her words just drip poison. That's all she ever does, is come to me, twist the knife, drip the poison, and I hate her. I hate, I hate her when she comes around and does this, but I hate myself more because I want to hear her. Hmm. So it's a really, really intense statement, and, and their relationship is so complicated. Like, I hope the show digs deeper and deeper and deeper into what it is about them that makes him answer her calls, and what it is about her that keeps bringing her back, aside from her just, maybe she just is a terrible person. Well, this is basically the but, textbook definition of a toxic relationship, so... Uh... Oh, yeah. Oh, toxic times 100%. So... They have they have a fascinating relationship, though, because in a lot of ways, it's very reflective of real life. That kind of abuse, you know, people make excuses over and over and over again and keep it around. And and it's it's interesting to me and it's realistic. And like you said, Dan, it's adult that this keeps happening mm. because he's he's an impressionable teenager and something clearly happened between them that, you know, may or may not be sexual or romantic in nature. So maybe he's still hanging on to that. But... Um, anyway, so he goes and he defeats this guy and, and the guy goes, yeah, he realizes that this guy gave up midway through the game. Like he, he just throws in the towel and he's looking at the board and he's monologuing. And I, I do, I know I've been talking a long time about this show, but I do want to reflect on the fact that the, the show takes the time. And I want to say it's like a solid minute or two where there's absolutely no talking. And it's just like soft piano and violin music playing over the two of them playing shogi. And I, I, I just, it's one of those things where, like, I don't understand the cultural, um, I guess, gravitas of shogi. I don't know how to play shogi. But I, I could tell just from the art and the music that something very, very powerful was happening here. Something very emotional was happening here on the board. Um, and, and this guy just gives up. Ray is doing a, a postmortem with him. And he's like, you just gave up in the middle. And his monologue says that. He's like, why would you do that? And this guy gets really angry. He leaves his daughter's Christmas present and Ray has to run after him and give it to him. And, and he scowls at Ray and he gets really mad and he just wanders off. And, and Ray like looks at him for a few minutes. He starts shaking and then he runs to a empty school park and he just starts screaming at like, at nothing, at God, at fate. And he's like, what did you expect me to do? Did you honestly expect me to throw the game? If you're that pathetic that you couldn't live, if you're that pathetic that you didn't practice, I have the right to defeat you. I have the right to step all over you. I have the right to destroy you. And he just cries and he yells and it's this amazing explosion of emotion from a character who's been so monotone for so many episodes. Just this this emotional well exploding out of him. And it was an amazing scene and an amazing display. And I, I think he admits for the very first time, that there's something very, very deep in him, something very dark that will do anything to survive. So 
you know, really using shogi as this this survival mechanism. Um, and he says to himself, he's like, it doesn't matter who I have to step on. I will make it out of, of this. And there's a darkness in me that, that drives me to do it. So I... I think I relate to a lot of what he's going through on a very personal level. So it was, it was just an amazing watch. Like I'm never just not stunned into silence almost in, in March comes in like a lion. So I'm so excited that it's, it's going to be a whole other core. So well, dang, that's kind of long, it's but it sounds crap. like it's going to need it. That show. Oof. That show just oh, so good. So to end very briefly on a, on a lighter note, there's only one more show that we could possibly talk about. After all of the good and all of the bad and all of the in-between, now we have something truly nightmarish. Scott. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. How, it's how apropos. <laughs> uh, and Classicaloid has had a pair, that's 10 and 11, of pretty bad episodes. Oh, gosh, why? It's oh, Mozart, it was, isn't it? It's Mozart. Uh, it actually wasn't like too much Mozart. What was too wow? Then it's got to be really bad if he's not involved and it's still awful. I mean, he's he's in the show, Scott, but like, he wasn't. Ten the focus. was exciting because it featured George Desand. That was Chopin's oh, it did. No, that's that's right. It was Chopin's episode. So the the, the so closing or shut in neat basically makes himself a like virtual singing idol girl on this popular app, and then uses music to turn it into a real person. Uh, okay. Yeah, so she's like a real person in the net. In the net, kind of. So like, And she takes his song that he's made and tries to... like, She basically just becomes a pop idol and wants fame and fortune, and all he wants is someone to talk to. Uh, and then eventually, like, the bad guys try to, like, download her or something so they can figure out what it is that... Like, she has the power of music inside the internet somehow. So they put on their goggles, like, and, like, and they go inside the net and... Oh, it's just nonsense. Like, yeah, it's, whatever. It's she ends. So she ends bad. up having to be destroyed in the end. Uh, they don't get the data they want, and he doesn't have his his companion or whatever, who is becoming so famous that she just she didn't really care for him anyway. Uh, but by yeah, the next exactly. day, he's back to making another one. So he learned nothing, and no one learned anything. The end. <laughs> Classical Lights is terrible. Classical Lights is terrible. Is is the thing, and then episode eleven, which is like. If if Girls' Night Out was, like, the, the one time that Kanai ever had fun, this seems to be some kind of terrible karmic backlash against her personally. <laughs> because it was yeah, just, like, nothing can go right for her for terrible. the entire episode. Right, like, oh, basically, gosh. like, she's like, guys, I, I, she, wa she wants to go on vacation, and she doesn't want to tell them vacation because they're obviously going to come with her. So she's like, I have to go visit, like, a, a dying relative or something. So I need you guys to take care of the house while I'm gone for a few days. And like, so you need to start doing some chores. Like, I swear the first half of the episode is just them fighting over different methods of assigning chores to each other and not wanting to do the chores or whatever. And she's is just constantly smoking, yelling at them and nothing. Is the house a smoking crater by the time that she gets Oh, that back? happens. Yeah, that happens later. That's at the end. Like, like, she goes out. She's like, I'm going to go out shopping or whatever. And like, Mozart, of course, has decided he's going to spruce the place up by painting giant pink musical notes all over the roof and everyone mm. else is like she's about to snap like we can't let her see this we need to we need to clean this up so they all go into like emergency cleaning mode she inevitably notices anyway and is just like just have it cleaned up by the time i get back i hate all of you and by the time she gets back the roof is clean and she walks inside and like 
Mozart has crashed through a window and is just lying there, like half out of a window with his stupid roller skates going. And like half like the chandeliers on the floor and like everything's destroyed. And yeah, the next I think shot... that one was my favorite part. The chandelier is on the floor. List is laying in the <laughs> chandelier in a sexy pose in her music outfit, uh, looking so happy with life. Like, and I was yeah. like, oh, God. Like, list all episodes. So instead of doing chores, she wants to become the symbol of the mansion while Kanai is away on vacation. And she just couldn't find the right spot to do it in. So now she's found, like, perfection by lying in this broken chandelier. And the last shot is just her showing up at the airport or train station or whatever with her friends. And they're like, oh, great. You're, you're coming with us finally. And, and, like, all of the stupid classicaloids are with her. And she's like, and she just kind of barges in. She's like, yep, we're all coming. And the, her friends are like, what? No, it, this isn't going to work. And she's like, too bad. Yep. She just takes like, them all on the train. She just takes them all on the train because nothing can ever be good in her life. Like, yep. ever. And your your prayer is that she puts them all in front of the train, lets the train <laughs> take them all out, and then vacation begins. And the rest of the show is just them on vacation. So speaking of that, Scott, guess how many episodes Classical Lloyds is? Like, just 13, right? And we're done forever? Like... Totally 25. Why is it so long? <laughs> well, kiddies. Everything bad. Everything is. bad continues. Nothing that just good. means the everything 13th bad. episode is going to be like a nonsense spa, like hot springs episode or something. Oh, boy, oh. howdy. Oh, no. It hurts so bad. Please have Klasky Klasky there, please, for me. I, I do think. I know. I do think that let's lying atop a broken chandelier is probably the best visual metaphor for this show yeah yeah dan <laughs> no it's it's the highlight of of the episode all right guys i blew all my time on march so you'll have to hear about flip flappers next time and it will be the finale but let's just da, say da, da, so da. much evangelion is happening in that show like i don't even know what that show wants to be but it's amazing and awesome and it rips from tons of stuff so Tune in next time. Guys, we're going to be taking a break for two weeks in honor of the holidays. So for all of you listening, have a wonderful holiday. Yep. Yeah. Have fun, and we will come back with, hopefully, the finale of just about everything. Yeah. But not classicaloids. <laughs> no, not classicaloids. Later, everyone. Happy holidays. Bye.